0: Alright, let's pray. God, thank you for this morning that you've given us such a beautiful day to come into your house and and as beautiful as it it is on the outside, God, we know the beauty truly lies in your presence. And so today, God, we ask that your presence be so real to us. God, that you minister to our hearts and lives. God, that you meet us where we are and you challenge us in our walk and we give you glory in Christ's name. Amen. And I guess I'll let the kids go with Amber next door on their best behavior. Or else she will bring them to the altar. All right. The problem with I. We, uh, we've we spent two weeks, and you know, last week we kind of took a little break, uh, a spirit-led break from from the series we were doing as as God just really ministered to our, our church. And it may have felt like it carried over even on, on Wednesday night as we spent time around the altar. And... And God continue to break our hearts and and, and I know even this morning as we spend time in his word that he will continue to do that Um, but the two weeks prior to that we have been in a series called the problem with I and the focus of this is when we get to looking at ourselves or we begin to be filled with pride um, it has residual effects in areas of our life like if I focus on me it causes insecurity in my life. If I focus on me, it causes insomnia for the things that I face. And then today, uh, we're going to look at, when we focus on ourselves, how it causes an impulsive personality. Um, impulsiveness is really kind of a tough thing to swallow. Because the reality is, every one of us battle impulses in our own life, right? We battle certain uh, impulses. Whether it be spiritually or even just in our flesh, we battle them. But when I think of impulsiveness, what really comes to mind with me is, is children. If you've ever been shopping with a child, you know how impulsive they definitely can be. Um, there was a man, and, and he was observing a woman as she was going grocery shopping. And she had a, a young girl sitting in the front part of the buggy. And, and they went down an aisle. And when they made it down this aisle, the girl began to whine and fuss because she wanted something that was in the aisle and the mother just uh, patiently said um, no we are halfway through we're almost done you can wait and then they go down the candy aisle and the girl begins to pitch a fit again and the mother says Ellen we're almost done two more aisles left you can wait and the man was amazed at this patience right he happened to get behind him in line And the little girl began to pitch a fit for the gum that was right there. And the mother patiently said, Ellen, five more minutes and you will be completely checked out. And you can go home and rest and take a nap. The man was amazed at how this mother could have so much patience with a little girl. So he followed her to the parking lot. He stopped the woman to compliment her. He said, I couldn't help noticing how patient you were with little Ellen. And the mother broke in and said, my little girl's name is Tammy, I'm Ellen, right? <laughs> all of us, all of us battle impulsiveness, right? Impulsiveness is just simply us acting without foresight. That's what impulsiveness is. And, and when I say the word impulsiveness, there's this myriad of struggles that come to our mind, right? Sometimes it can be this bad spending habits. And next week, we'll look at indebtedness and how that happens, Um, Sometimes it can be this indulging ourselves with food and struggling with controlling that. Maybe it's the media consumption that we have and we're just impulsive in our desire to have it. Whatever comes to mind, the reality is each and every one of us face this struggle of impulsiveness. The personality trait of impulsivity has been linked to such negative behaviors as binge eating, drug abuse... Uh, problem gambling, reckless driving, and suicide. And so in order to counteract impulsiveness, we have to have self-control. You know, if self-control is the opposite of impulsiveness, then impulsiveness is the symptom of an out-of-control personality. The impulsive lifestyle is rooted in this self-focused life, right? We want to buy that for me. I want to eat that to satisfy something within me. I have to take the next thing because of me. And, and so we begin to indulge ourselves with impulsive decisions. You know, I want to um, share something very honest with you about me and in my, my struggle with impulsiveness. Um, you know, when I got out of the military in 2007, a um, little did I know. I mean, the mirror knew, but I didn't know that I was beginning to struggle with my weight. And so to ease it, I would begin to joke and even lie about it. And, um, and you know, I would try different things. If you've ever done the Atkins diet, I did that 17 times. And I lost 20 pounds 17 times. But remarkably, I would gain 21 pounds back. And so um, it didn't work for me. Um, but this past summer, most of you know, I've talked about this, that God began to really deal with me about my own personal self-discipline and self-control. Uh, that I could stand in front of you guys each and every Sunday and speak on self-control yet look like the picture of what an out-of-control life looks like. And so God began to really deal with me about that and deal with about the impulsive decisions I was making. I would drink a gallon of sweet tea a day like it was nothing, right? And I would eat an absurd amount of calories every day without any question behind it. Um, and the reality was I was out of control. And July 4th, I went tubing, Jerry knows the story, because they did not have a vest that would fit me. I cried, it's not funny, no. And, and I tried to get into a, a vest and uh, I thought, well, maybe the buoyancy of my weight will be the very thing that saves me. And so I had to be the, the dorky guy wearing the orange thing over his neck uh, like a kid out in there. And so the next morning I, I, I woke up and I was like, man, this is embarrassing. Like, I used to go on youth trips to uh, Six Flags, and I don't know if you've ever, hopefully you've never had this embarrassing experience, but one time they held a lineup because they couldn't close the, the buckle on me, and I had to be the embarrassed guy that just walked off the ride without ever beginning, right? It was, it was an embarrassing thing, and so as depressed as I was and hated seeing people, July 5th, I stepped on the scale, and I was like, this is, this is out of control, and I was shocked and the lie that I continue to tell myself about my impulsive decisions uh, really hit true that day as God didn't allow those to be shadowed anymore with lies. And so um, I stood there, well over 300 pounds, wearing a 46 in pants and a 3XL in shirt. Did you guys know that? It was, it was awful. And I mean, I, you couldn't find clothes anywhere to shop, right? You had to shop online, the embarrassment of it all and, and, and all of that. Came And so for the first time in my life, I came to this understanding of of the results of impulsive decisions. But my outward appearance was really a display of what was going on on the inside of me. Um, My impulsive tendencies were absolutely intoxicating the inner struggle and the spiritual journey I was trying to be. And it's what nobody could see. See, my impulsiveness that was displayed on the outside was even worse on the inside. It was so much easier for me to lay down and go to sleep than it was to read the Bible, right? It was so much easier for me to say words about someone in an afterthought to God than it was to earnestly seek God in regards to somebody. It was easier to justify certain areas of my life than it was to lay them at the foot of the cross and allow God to prune those for my life and... The impulsive struggle I was having was only seen through a sloppy, overweight appearance, but it was infecting me to my core. And so July 5th, I submitted it all to God because I needed self-control to overtake my impulsive decisions. And so for the first time, probably since I was in the military and forced to go, I went to the doctor. And for the first time, I began to focus on little victories of self-control. And so when I would say no to something that was a small victory. And when I would exercise, instead of hitting the snooze button, it was a small victory. And when I would read my Bible over going to sleep, it was a small victory. Let me tell you a lie that's told amongst preachers is that we read our Bibles. I, I sit down with many of them. And we read our Bibles in preparation of, of studying for a message. But the majority of preachers struggle with reading their Bible separate. Um, And that's why God has to really convict our hearts. And so instead of um, going to sleep, which was easier, I began to read my Bible. And instead of telling somebody I'll pray for you and just throwing words up meaninglessly to God, I began to sincerely seek God on behalf of certain things. And God began to take this war inside of me of impulsiveness and begin to have self-control over certain things. And so I realized it's not a wa- I wasn't waging war against my weight. I was waging war against impulsiveness. And so God began to clean things up in my life. Now I'm probably, most of you would agree, the most spiritually strong person you know, personally. I was waiting for an amen, but we'll get that later. There'll be other opportunities. Uh, you know, uh, just two Saturdays ago, I hit 100 pounds lost. I, uh, I went shopping yesterday and for the first time I bought, no, y'all don't have to keep doing that. You don't have to... And, uh, you know, I, I went shopping yesterday and I got a size 36 in pants, right? Yeah. But what I, what I really began to understand is that, is that this struggle of impulsive decisions is really a symptom of sin that each and every one of us struggle with. So today we're going to talk about impulsiveness, but it's not about being overweight or eating bad or uh, those may be encompassed in it. What it's really about is the areas of impulsiveness that each and every one of us struggle with. If you have a Bible, if you'll turn with me to Proverbs chapter 5, verses 21 through 23. I will tell you up front, several of the verses I'm going to read today will be out of the Message Translation so turning in your Bible doesn't help you much, but you can at least know where we are. Um, Proverbs 5, 21 through 23. And again, this is a message translation, which is a paraphrase of, uh, of what we know traditionally as our Bible verses. Verse number 21, mark well that God doesn't miss a move you make. He's aware of every step you take. The shadow of your sin will overtake you. You'll find yourself stumbling all over yourself in the dark. Death is the reward of an undisciplined life. Your foolish decisions trap you in a dead end. The undisciplined, impulsive life that controls us is the very thing that leads to the spiritual death of each and every one of us. And why? Because impulsiveness, out-of-control life, is an example of rotten fruit in the spiritual walk that you're trying to make. Instead of having the fruit of the Spirit, we find it exemplified in the fruit of the flesh. Galatians 5, 22 through 26, Paul says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us... Also, keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying over one another. Self-control is visible and often unseen in a Spirit-filled believer's life. Paul refers to those nine fruit of the Spirit. And if you ever noticed, there's no plural there when it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, right? If, if we had multiple fruits here, we would say, these are the fruits of Bonifay, Florida. But if you'll notice, it's never plural. It's always singular. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And you may go, well, why? Or you may not even notice that. The reason that it's not the fruits of the Spirit and it's the fruit of the Spirit is because there is no picking and choosing. If the Spirit lives in you, these are the nine things that are evident in your life. It means that you can't have patience without kindness. It means that you can't have love without self-control. You don't get an option between those nine. If the Spirit lives inside of you, these nine things are put outside of you. It's the nine things that people identify you as such. When someone comes to me and they say they're a believer, the litmus test of their life is the fruit of the Spirit. I don't get to judge the other areas of their life, but if the fruit of the Spirit is evident, I know the Spirit lives inside of them. And as a believer, you embody them all. And if they were to be dim in your life in any way, then your submissiveness and your walk has to be reevaluated. Meaning that if every one of those is, is as bright as can be, but one, then the submissiveness and the walk that you have in your life has to be reevaluated. Because you can't have one without having the other eight. All nine have to be evident in your life. And I love how Paul says, Paul says at the very end of that, for us not to become conceited, or as we have been referencing in this series, don't focus on I. Because when we start focusing on ourselves, we get pride and conceited inside of us. We realize very quickly that the fruit of the Spirit drown themselves out. It's only when we focus our eyes upon the cross, we begin to exemplify the believer that we were called to be. Now we see with, many of us, or I know I see the self and self-control, and I know I immediately think to myself, it has to do with my very action. Self-control means that I can control something, right? By just looking at the two words together. But self-control has nothing to do with us. Self-control is surrendering the control of ourselves. If you want to know what self-control truly looks like, it means that I can surrender myself to someone else, that I give them complete authority to rule over my life and also guide me in every step. It means that our flesh has been crucified and the Spirit manages our day-to-day affairs, if allowed, through our humility. And that's where many of us struggle. That's where I struggle. It's this sense of pride in that I can control all things. And when I begin to do those things, it leads to insecurity. It leads to insomnia. And it leads to impulsiveness in my life. Humility. You know, I I watch this show, and I've spoken about it before, that comes on CNBC. It's called The Prophet, not P-R-O-P-H-E-T, P-R-O-F-I-T. And it's this guy who they call The Prophet, but that's not his name. He comes in, and he he rescues dying businesses. But he always says this. The moment that there's an agreement for him to rescue the business, he always says, but I'm 100% in charge. Right? Because he realizes that change can't come unless he's the one orchestrating this change from the outside. And if they're willing to give him complete control, he does amazing things with their businesses. Time and time again, it becomes a successful business because of what he imparts into them. Every once in a while, there will be an episode where this business makes it to the, to the very end and they're still struggling. And you realize at the conclusion of the show that the owner wasn't ready to give over complete control to him. Many of us understand this in a spiritual sense. When we come to Christ, it's a complete surrender of our life, meaning that I no longer control it and God is 100% in charge. And those that struggle in certain areas of their life, we find that they're not willing to relinquish control of that area. For me, I wasn't ready to let God make all my decisions. Impulsively, I needed my input in certain things. And for you, there's impulse of things that you still feel like you have to have a voice in. I need to be able to make the decision in this. And if God's not 100% in charge, we find a failing life as a result of that. And so you may read those fruit of the spirit and you're examining your life of impulsive decisions and you may wonder, how do we gain control of our lives back and kick impulsiveness to the curve? And so I just want to go on three sequential, sequential things with you this morning. First, is something that each and every one of us need to absolutely comprehend when we leave here today, that impulsiveness is a common struggle of our flesh, What I'm saying to you is every one of us are battling it today. Because I'm standing here doesn't make me any greater than anyone else. The little kid that's over in children's church this morning is battling impulsiveness. You come here this morning, you're battling impulsiveness. The greatest preacher on TV who has thousands of people in this congregation is battling impulsiveness this morning. The Pope is battling impulsiveness as born. And we all know that our president battles impulsiveness by his tweets, right? Everyone is battling impulsiveness. Everyone is battling impulsiveness in our lives, right? We battle impulsiveness. And so get this, that you are not alone in your battle with your impulsiveness. And if you're anything like me, you may have battled impulsiveness on the very ride to church this morning. When the slow car got in front of you and the impulsive decision was well, to lay on the horn and point to the sky with a finger that's inappropriate to point with. And, and God helps you curb that impulsive decision and it's a small victory in your life. Impulsiveness is what each and every one of us battle with. And I compare myself to people in the Bible, right? If somebody struggled with it in the Bible, I feel better about myself. And so the good thing is impulsiveness was a struggle among many men in the Bible that we look up to. Paul gives us this great example of the struggle that he had going on inside of him. In, in Romans 7, 17 through 20, again, this is the message translation. But I need something more. <clears throat> For if I know the law, but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good. But I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. Paul, right, this man who wrote the majority of the New Testament, a man that a lot of us look to and go, he had it all together, goes into this rant, about how he constantly struggled with wanting to do good but doing bad or trying not to do bad and and he find himself falling into it again and and so as he's having this internal struggle i'm reading it and i'm cheering it on going all right paul goes through what i go through impulsiveness is the thing that tries to tear me down and and paul battles impulsiveness see the struggle is real for each and every one of us and it's evident in our lives we do not want to do and we do not want to make an impulsive decision but it seems the very thing that comes up. I don't want to be impulsive in my anger, but my immediate reaction to a situation before I can even process what's happening is anger. See, anger is a symptom of impulsiveness, right? And the impulsive anger that comes in many of us and many times causes a well of emotions inside of us. I was as I was leaving to come here today. Um, I was I was walking by um, from the prison, and I saw the visiting park, and I, and I saw there was like a a million kids there. There wasn't that many, but it felt like a lot of kids. And it's always sad seeing them in this fenced in area with their with their father, and 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 they're walking around, and it's just a sad situation when you think about that as a human being. And I thought. How crazy is it that as church people, we're going to sit here and and look at this idea of impulsiveness, and the reality is impulsiveness put many of them in the place that they are today, because impulsiveness imprisons us. It forces us to live in areas that we don't want to live in. It forces us to be unhealthy physically and spiritually. Impulsiveness imprisons us. And what Paul was trying to tell us is he's living in this impulsive prison where he wants to do good, but his impulsive decision-making keeps causing him to fall into the rut that he's trying to get out of. Impulsiveness is something each and every one of us battle with. Initially, we're wrestling with a divided life. Our flesh and our spirit are going at war with each other over the right to make the decision in our life. And so in our war, our souls unfold the actions we are getting ready to leave. And so we begin to display the victor of what takes place in our life. A man in the Bible known for impulsiveness, for being brash, and at many times being out of control is Peter. And a great example of his impulsiveness is when they go to take Jesus away and he instinctively pulls his sword out and cuts the ear off of the Roman guard. We look at it on the surface, it looks like a great decision, but what we realize is that it's not the decision he should have made in the moment. It was an impulsive decision. Because we embody the character of God, patience and mercy always fills where impulsiveness seeps out in our life. When we talk about being created in the image of God, we're talking about the emotional makeup of a person. And as a Christian, we become molded in the image that God desires for us to be, and there's characteristic expectations that each one of us should have. And those were displayed by His Son on the earth. And if we examine the three and a half years of ministry of Jesus' life, there's one thing that we notice is absent, impulsiveness. He was thoughtful. He was merciful in all of His decision-making. And so we look at it and we go, God, I can't help because of the impulsiveness in my life, but how would you feel if God was an impulse of God? It would be a scary thing. Because instead of mercy, justice would be what he would enact on each and every one of us. Impulsively, he would issue it out. And when I examine my life, if mercy didn't exist, neither would I. But because God's not an impulse of God, but a loving, merciful God, the expectation is that as believers, we're merciful loving people, that impulsiveness isn't the thing that overtakes us. So our submissiveness to impulsiveness is common for the flesh, but indicative of a lack of of submissiveness to God. When self-control loses out to impulsiveness, the reality is our submissiveness to God loses out to the submissiveness of flesh. And so it's important this morning that we come to grips with the reality of a struggle with impulsiveness. If you hear me this morning, you struggle with impulsiveness. The next thing I want to say is impulsiveness has a root somewhere in your life. Somewhere in your life, there's a root that causes impulsiveness. Maybe it's pride. You feel like you can do whatever you want because you're your own boss. Maybe it's insecurity that causes you to be impulsive. Maybe it's an addiction that causes you to be impulsive. Whatever the reason, the root has to be identified. For Peter, his root was pride. Peter was in his early 20s. The other disciples were probably in their late teens, but they were all younger than Peter. And so Peter walks into this situation. He's the oldest one. He's going to take charge is instead of having this leader mentality of humility, he took over as leading with pride. He had the knowledge to be the head man, and we find that his pride often caused him to be a little bit out of control in situations. He was brash in many situations because he didn't want Jesus to forget about him. So he would interrupt Jesus, and he would insert himself into conversations. He was adamant that he would be there when Jesus needed him. He was prideful. He was impulsive in the things he did. And of course, his pride was broken when Jesus hung on the cross because on the cross hung the pride of Peter beside Jesus. And he realized his impulsiveness could not spare nor alter the plans of God. This morning, it's important that you realize no matter how impulsive or sporadic you may be, It will not change the plans that God has and it will not alter what he has desired for your life. In both realms, I don't care how big of a Christian you are, it doesn't change the love of God for you. And I don't care how big of a failure you think you are, it does not change the love that God has for you. Your impulsive lifestyle will absolutely not alter God in any way. He's unchanging and your impulsiveness has no effect upon that. And so for Peter, when he realized that, his pride was shattered. And self-control replaced the impulsive behavior that he had. And so the question you're forced to evaluate this morning is, what is the root of impulsiveness in your life? For me, my impulsiveness was rooted in this fear of rejection. I wanted everyone to like me, and I wanted everyone to be in love with me, and And if they weren't, it was detrimental. I I just couldn't take it. And and whatever I could do, I wanted to do for people to like me. And unfortunately, it would kind of move me in the direction of impulsive decisions. And I would either reject or accept things that I shouldn't because of that impulsive tendency. But once you come to grip with the impulsiveness, you realize that there's a root for it inside of you. And then the determination becomes, what is the root inside of your life? what is the very thing that causes those impulsive decisions? Because until you figure out what causes you to be impulsive, you'll never move past the impulsiveness that controls your life. But if you come to grip with it, you realize what the root of it is. I have some great news for you. Impulsiveness is conquered by walking with the Spirit. If you attempt to overcome impulsiveness by yourself you will crash head-on into failure. And for many of us, that's what leads to the side effects of what impulsiveness brings. It may not be the decision of impulsiveness. It's the fact that it always leads to failure. Because I don't make good decisions. It's only when God leads me to good decisions or good things come out of my life. Every time we uh, attempt to overcome things, we give up. When Paul was having this wrestle with his flesh and the impulsive prison he felt he lived in, he concluded that with uh, this, I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. How many of you feel that way? Like, I I can't go another day. I'm at the end of my rope. My impulsiveness, my lack of self-control has brought me to this moment. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but am pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. The impulsiveness you face has good news attached to it. That when Jesus hung on the cross, your impulsiveness hung right there beside Him. That your impulsive personality was conquered on the cross that day. You know, it was an impulsive decision that brought sin into our world. Eve, in this impulsive decision, and Adam followed directly behind her, it ushered sin into our world. But it was self-control of our Savior that defeated the impulsiveness that brought sin into our world. And now the invitation to the believer is to enter into a walk day by day with the Spirit. Paul says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of this flesh. It's in our daily walk with the Spirit that we no longer succumb to the impulsiveness that overcomes us. I used to want to react in violence, but now love is dominating me. I used to want to watch one more episode on Netflix, but now I desire to read and pray. Impulsiveness breeds hostility, loneliness, division, anger, and adultery. <clears throat> all of which Paul lists right after, or excuse me, right above the fruit of the spirit, as the lust of the flesh. And he concludes those lusts of the flesh, and he says, those who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And so, impulsiveness is a big thing to be rooted out of our life. Oswald Ch- Chambers said of impulsiveness, impulsiveness is all right in a child but it's disastrous in a man or a woman. An impulsive adult is always a spoiled person. Impulsiveness needs to be trained into intuition through discipline. Walking on water is easy to someone with impulsive boldness, but walking on dry land as a disciple of Jesus Christ is something altogether different. Peter walked on water to go to Jesus, but he followed him at a distance on dry land. Sin is easy in a little bit when I give an altar call, coming to this altar is easy. Surrender is tough. We see some of the most greatest warriors throughout the history of our world struggle with one thing, surrender. Can't be known as the one who surrendered. Yet it's the very thing to determine the spiritual journey that we're on, is surrender. Impulsiveness is easy. Sin is easy. Self-control and discipleship it's hard and impossible apart from God. Paul draws this picture of what self-control looks like in our life by comparing it to an athlete. He says in 1 Corinthians 9, do you, want to, uh, excuse me, do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives a price? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath but we are imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beat in the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control lest after preaching to others, I myself should become disqualified. The impulsive athlete does nev- never wins the race. It's only the athlete that practices self-control always comes out the victor. And so do we run this race impulsively Or do we fulfill this picture of a boxer just swinging at air impulsively? Whatever I can get to, that's what I'm going to go after. Impulsiveness versus self-control is the dilemma that our soul battles with each and every day. But we, in submission to God and under the leading of the Holy Spirit, overcome the circumstances and struggles of a life through self-control. It's only in submissiveness to the Holy Spirit do we ever find that we overcome the impulsiveness that we struggle with. And if you're here this morning and impulsive behavior has brought you to this very point, and the struggles of life have brought you to the brokenness you feel in your soul, then you've come to the right place this morning. This morning, you can surrender your life at the foot of the cross. And watch the impulsive tendencies of your life be replaced with the fruit of the Spirit. Dan, if you wouldn't mind doing a little music for us. Here's the question I want each one of you to answer. Aren't you tired of being a failure? Aren't you tired of facing loneliness all the time? Aren't you tired of the struggle and aren't you tired of the addiction? Then take back your life and get the control back where it belongs in the hands of God. And that doesn't go to a person who's never surrendered to Christ. It also goes to the Christian. Aren't you tired of the war that goes on in your soul? Walk closer to the Spirit and submit control of self to God. The problem when we focus on I is that it always leads to impulsiveness. But today, that impulsiveness can be replaced with self-control but only through surrender at the foot of the cross. Let's pray. God, thank you for the beauty of your word. God, the beauty of the men that you give us to draw our comparisons and our examples from. God, that you displayed the greatest form of self-control when you entered our world, lived a sinless life, hung on a cross for our sins, and rose again three days later to conquer the impulsiveness and the sporadic behavior of sin in our life. And so today, God, I pray for each and every person here. As many of us struggle with impulsiveness on a daily basis, God, that you would help us feel that draw of uh, your spirit each and every morning, that when we go throughout the day, self-control is what dominates our lives and not the submission to impulsiveness. God, today I pray for any person who is here, who hears this message and they say, all that's great, but I've never even surrendered my life to God. Lord, that you brought them here for this moment, that their impulsiveness has brought them to this day, and that you have brought them to this opportunity to come to uh, an encounter with you that will radically transform the future of their life. God, that failure will not be the definition of their life. God, that, that all the struggles they have won't define their future. But God, today, in your loving arms, they can find forgiveness and self-control. But more importantly, they can find the love that they've looked for their whole life. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to give you that chance. If you're here this morning and you say, I'm tired of the fight. I'm tired of the struggle. I'm tired of the impulsiveness dominate my life. If you're here this morning, you go, I just want to surrender my life to Christ because I've never done it before, but I know that God brought me here today to do it. If that's you, I want to invite you forward this morning. That symbolically at the foot of the cross, in this very place, you can surrender and pin it there and allow God to take control of your life. As they sing the song, the altar will be open for You to surrender your life or if you're a Christian this morning, you go, man, I'm just struggling. The altar is open for you this morning to find closure and healing, but more importantly, love from God.